0: Welcome to a special Lenten episode of In the Studio with Michael Card. This episode is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this translation and the many helpful editions available for you. Explore all that's waiting for you online when you visit csbible.com. This now, we're in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Glad to have you listening this week. This is such a special season of the year, Michael, as we uh, anticipate Easter to come, huh?
1: Yeah, and we have two uh, two of the people that I would most like to talk to to help me prepare for Easter. Okay. Uh, Terry Glaspie and George Guthrie. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about right. uh, what's coming up. We'll hear from both
0: men on the program yes. here today. In just a few moments. Uh, Michael, last week we had that program where we call it our LP edition. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for old guys like me, LP <laughs> means long play, of course, and that harkens yes. back to records, right? It but. was this
1: big, <laughs> big black thing that you used to have, <laughs> yeah. and you'd put it on this turntable, and yeah. you drop this they, needle. You very, know what?
0: I am rebuilding my grandfather's 1947 console radio and phonograph player Yikes. which goes back even further to 78s and I have a whole couple of boxes full of 78s. so
1: Well I I will send you a bunch of LPs cuz I've got them in my uh, barn <laughs> well, this they're rotting away LPs. in my LPs. barn This
0: this is yeah. this predates LPs. so it just But will, it, will you, it play LPs? No it will not. No. Oh gosh. No. It only has one speed and that's 78 so Wow. How did I get on that? I don't know. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Well, uh, let me segue professionally here. Uh, <laughs> record players play music, and we're going to hear music on the program yes. today from Michael Carr. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good uh, save. Good save, Wayne. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> actually, our friend Gary, who is one of our wonderful listeners, wrote to us. And Gary said, I just want to thank you again for your podcast. It's always encouraging and uplifting and real. It's helping me continue to find a deeper bond with my Savior and Creator. One of the songs I would love to hear you sing on the podcast is Search Me. Early in my Christian experience, I had written a few songs, one of which was based on Psalm 139, which I entitled Wings of the Morning. Mm. It wasn't long after that that I heard your song, Search Me, and immediately fell in love with it. Thanks again Mm. for your ministry.
1: I like Wings of the Morning better. That's a better title. I think I might uh I might steal that, Gary. You, you can't retroactively uh, retitle the
0: song, Michael. It's certainly known it for all time. So uh, Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. We're going to hear uh, that song that Gary has requested and as we said Dr. George Guthrie will be with us, Terry Glaspie will be with us in the second half. His latest book is Discovering God Through the Arts: How We Can Grow Closer to God by Appreciating Beauty and Creativity. So I look forward to that conversation with Michael Mm -hmm. and Terry later in the program today. But right now, here's Michael Card's song, Search Me. Mike. I know you agree with me that we're so honored to have Dr. George Guthrie as our friend who joins us from time to time on this podcast. George is professor of New Testament at Regent College and I, I got to say that I think maybe next time we just need to start the recorder as soon as we make the phone call to George instead of waiting <laughs> yes. for the official part of the program. I think we need to record the unofficial part of that conversation we heard just now from the two of you, two Bible guys, be- scholars, because
1: it is it is just as meaty as when George is going to be rendering <laughs> on uh, some theme from Hebrews. But <laughs> <It is.
2: laughs> well, we don't we don't get to see each other enough. That's that's the issue. Is yeah. you know now, when we finally get a moment to talk we. Want to talk. Yeah.
1: You know, so, this is kind of sad. I'm looking at you on my computer screen on Zoom, and you're all the way at Regent, and I'm here in uh I'm here in Fernvale, Tennessee. So uh I, I really do miss you, brother.
0: Well, thank you. I miss you too. Here's the question I have, George. How in the world did you ever get connected with Michael Carr? That's what I want to know.
2: Well, it's one of the uh, the 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 great opportunities of my life to meet a famous uh Jesus rock star like Mike. Okay, now um, that we have that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I, I sense a certain amount of insincerity in that statement, but go ahead.
2: Well, what I really, what's behind that statement is Mike is one of my dearest friends, and I am so thankful for the gift of us connecting, and the, and the way that we connected, of course, was through mm-hmm. Dr. William Lane. Um mm-hmm. I was a PhD student working on the book of Hebrews, uh, specifically the structure of the book. And I knew that Bill was writing a big, big two volume commentary on Hebrews for the Word Biblical Commentary series. And I called him kind of obnoxiously out of the blue mm-hmm. and uh, said, uh, Dr. Lane, I understand that you're finishing your uh, commentary. Could you? Um, do you still follow Albert Benoit on the structure of the book? Who's a French scholar who was very prominent on that issue. He said, yes, yes. I, you know, I think Benoit so-and-so. And I said, I said, well, well, do you mind if I tell you why I think he's wrong? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Bill, because he was a warm, generous person said, sure, sure. And he opened himself up to a relationship with me and I sent him stuff. He invited me to send him my material He immediately wrote me a long uh, handwritten letter back saying, I can see that you're on to something here. Why don't you request that I be the external reader for your dissertation? And he quotes you in his Hebrews commentary. Yeah. So what happened was he ended up interacting with me through the process. And when he came out with his introduction, there there were, I think, 19 pages in his big introduction on Hebrews on my work. So that gave me an entree to the scholarly world in a sense. Uh, You know, a publisher was able to look at that and say, well, you know, this guy's already being quoted. Uh, So, EJ Brill, the first publisher I worked with, that was why. Bill was why I had Mm -hmm. such an opportunity with them.
1: And since then, you've written four or five books on Hebrews.
2: Yeah, yeah, I have. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) the important thing is, Bill mentored me for the last 10 years of his life. And then right after Bill died, um, Mike and I connected Okay, because okay. I think that we both had a gap in our lives mm-hmm. that needed to be filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it could, we knew each other. We had met before that, but it was really after Bill died that we, we both kind of came together through our friendship with Bill.
0: Well, we're going to yeah. talk about Hebrews today, but you got to tell the story of uh, Bill Lane's
2: funeral. Uh, <laughs> I love this story, and and I think it's um, just so reflective of who Bill was. But the story goes, and I I, I forget who told me this, but at Bill's funeral, uh, his daughter was holding Bill's grandchild, and uh, and the grandbaby turned to his mom and said. Uh, well, Mama, I guess Grandpa knows who wrote the Book of Hebrews now.
1: <laughs> I can see Bill getting to question. I can see Bill getting to heaven and saying, "I have a few questions." First, I have a few questions.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of the first things I want to do. You know, I, I do have some pretty big theological questions I want to ask, but I do want to go meet the author of the Book of Hebrews. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Outstanding! That's a great story. All right. Well, well let's, we, we let's all, get in. We all know to, it uh, we
1: all know it was Apollos, so there it is. <laughs> okay.
2: That's my best guess. That's yeah. my okay. best guess. Oh
0: come okay. on, guys. Come on. All right. Uh, besides who wrote <laughs> Hebrews, let's talk about what's in this book of the Bible. Mike, you wanna you have some questions for George?
1: Well, I, I mean to me the my, one of my new ideas, George, is that all of these New Testament writers, they write in Greek, but they think in Hebrew. I mean he he th- clearly thinks in categories from the Hebrew scriptures. It's not just that he quotes the Hebrew Bible. He thinks in the Hebrew Bible. And so when it comes to his portrayal of Jesus, it's just woven from passages of the Old Testament, the high priests and the better than themes and that sort of thing, and specifically um, Jesus' sacrifice. And as we're coming up to Lent, I wanted to hear you uh, talk about that.
2: Yeah, let me give let me give kind of a bigger framework just for a second and then go to that particular topic if I can do that. Okay. Um in terms of big picture, you're right. I mean, Hebrews is absolutely saturated with the scriptures. In fact, you, mm. you could say that more than any other book in the New Testament, uh, the one exception being Revelation, Hebrews is more packed with Old Testament. That and mm. Hebrews does things very differently from Revelation. Revelation, everything is echo and you know different passages and images are being evoked, but it's saturated. Hebrews is saturated in that almost every verse is is touched by this interaction with the broader Jewish scriptures. Now the author is mm-hmm. uh, reading that through the Greek Old Testament specifically. that's that's his right. Bible that he's using, but it is profoundly Jewish. And what he's doing is he's he's interacting with this early Christian community who's beginning to feel the heat and the pressure of persecution. Mm. They're really having the heat put on them. And some of them have one foot out the door. You know, they're mm. thinking, I, I didn't buy into this. I mean, ah. difficulties that are going on. So, there's a lot there for us to identify with. Hebrews helps us think about, how do we endure when we're really beginning to go through significantly challenging times, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the basic answer that the author gives is you've got to think very clearly about the identity of Jesus, who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. and about what Jesus has accomplished for us.
3: Mm.
2: And the way that I say it to my students is that your perseverance In the Christian life is going to be in direct proportion to the clarity with which you see who Jesus is Mm. and what he has accomplished on our behalf. Mm. If you get fuzzy, in other words, if you get fuzzy about the identity of Jesus or about the nature of the gospel, then you're going to have a hard time hanging in there in the Christian Mm. life. Mm. So, everything else The the theology that he lays out is kind of in two big movements. The first movement is the first two chapters on kind of grounding in the exalted Son of God who came down to be one of us in the incarnation to die Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: to be our high priest. Mm -hmm. And then the great center section is on the appointment of Jesus as high priest. That's 5, 1 through 10, and 7, 1 through 28. And then the superior offering of the high priest in chapters 8 and 9 and half of 10. Mm-hmm. So, you have the grounding in the identity of Jesus, his appointment as priest, and then it moves to the issue of his superior sacrifice, which is superior in a number of ways.
1: Okay, is that essentially, I mean, what's unique is essentially that Jesus is the high priest who offers himself as the
2: sacrifice? That's, that's a huge part of it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he is both high priest and, and sacrifice, hmm. and if you think about it, unless he had be- been incarnate, he couldn't have been either one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because and, and, uh, and, and- the Old Testament scriptures—let me just explain that. I'm sorry, it's, the Old Testament scriptures make it clear that every high priest is taken from among human beings. That's uh-huh. Hebrew Hebrews five one points that out. Uh-huh. So he had to come from among the people. That's where the he, That's where the high priest was taken. Uh-huh. But then also. He could not have been the sacrifice if he had not died, and he couldn't have died unless he was human. Wow. Okay. And he's, ev- and he's even the veil in the temple
1: that you pass through. I mean, what what isn't Jesus in the Hebrew Bible?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all over the place. I mean, in terms of, of the, the rich significance of how Jesus takes up into himself all of the, the hopes and the needs mm. of covenant with God. You know, all the all this stuff, all the sacrifices. In fact, let's think, talk about sacrifice just for a moment. Uh, the author says that Jesus' sacrifice is superior, that mm-hmm. last movement of that center section of the book, because it is made with his own blood. It is taken into heaven, not just into an earthly tabernacle.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's made uh, just one time for all. Oh yeah, not yearly. Not not perpetually, not year yeah. after year after year. It's so decisive. It's so decisive that it only had to be made one time and the mind-blowing thing is for Hebrews, it doesn't just reach forward to the end of time, it also reaches back to the beginning of time with creation. It covers everything. It's so decisive and if we ever get our heads around how decisive the sacrifice of Christ is, it will change us. Wow. To change our lives, every if you're in the new covenant, every sin you have ever committed, every sin you ever will commit, has already been decisively dealt with by Jesus. And so and we're linear, you know, we're linear. We have to yeah keep keep up with what's going on and come to God and and agree with God about our sin and and all that kind of thing. But it's already dealt with.
1: So can I say it? I want to say it this way, really badly. Tell me if I can say it this way. You can be forgiven. Because you've already been forgiven.
2: You're, the price has already been paid. Is that? I think that's right. It's it's not. God is never withholding. If you're a new covenant person, your sins have already been dealt with. That's what he picks up on in Jeremiah 31 with the new covenant passage. I will remember their sins no more. No more. That doesn't mean that God gets amnesia. Yeah, <laughs> It means that God has chosen in the new covenant to no longer deal with us on the basis of our sin because Jesus has completely wow. decisively dealt with it.
1: Well, that's some good news right there.
2: <laughs> it is, man. And it doesn't mean that we can be cavalier because if a person's saying, well, that means I can sin all I want to, that's probably reflecting something about their spiritual condition yeah. that is terrifying. You don't get it. You you don't get it. And you you probably, you know, are not a part of what's you know,
1: being taught yeah, in, in fact, I, I believe the the strongest deterrent to sin is realizing what it costs and what Jesus had to go through. You know, I stand before the cross and I think of what what per- particular sin, you know, that moment of the many I'm guilty of, and I realize I nailed you there. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's right? humbling, isn't
1: it? it? I, you know, well, that's that that's that wonderful Rembrandt picture of Rembrandt raising the cross. He realized. That's my. This is what I did to
2: you. Yeah, and and abs- absolutely. And and then the other thing is we. But you know, we're now in Lent, and we're beginning to anticipate Easter.
1: Uh-huh.
2: The wonderful thing is how all of this ties into resurrection life. Hmm. Because for Hebrews, Hebrews is not super overt about talking about resurrection because it's so mm-hmm. oriented to Psalm one ten one, and we don't have time to go there. Uh, but, uh-huh. you know, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make mm-hmm. your enemies a footstool for your feet. The exaltation of Jesus after his resurrection, that's all kind of dealt with together in Hebrews. But in chapter 8, he says that the basis for Jesus being appointed as our high priest was not like the earthly priest, which was who, who was your daddy, you know, uh-huh. in terms of if you're a Levite, you can be a priest. The basis for Jesus' high priesthood, his appointment, you can read in chapter 7, is that he has an indestructible life. And he is Mm -hmm. appointed, as he is resurrected, the Father, by an oath, says, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, which is Mm -hmm. verse 4 of Psalm 110. Mm -hmm. And so, it's the resurrected life that means that Jesus is a superior high priest. He's always there in the presence of God for us. He's not going to die on you like the old covenant priest. Mm. He's always there as our intercessor. And that then gives us a basis. He not only leads us into resurrection life, he is is embodying resurrection life on our behalf
3: Mm.
2: right now until we get there. (laughs) Mm. And we live there in hope of a city whose builder and maker is God. That's chapter 11. Mm -hmm. That real faith sees the reality out there in the future that all of this is leading to the new heavens and the new earth so that's that's a lot to get our heads around wow. but, but that's oh. that's how this leads us to easter <laughs> mm. that
0: is amazing i mike oh. i feel like i need to write a tuition check to uh, george for the
1: board. <laughs> i think that would be a good idea <laughs> Dude, i would be glad i would <laughs> be glad <laughs>
0: how about if i buy your book
1: would that be all right
0: yeah. george
2: that would be very helpful <laughs> okay. you've got
1: to buy all five of them
2: <laughs> okay yeah yeah, if right. people want to start with something. The NIV application commentary is very yes. accessible for like. Yes. That would be a good place to start. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right, Mike, you have encouragement for us to dig deeper. I mean, we we read the scripture, and very often we don't think as deeply as we need to.
1: Well, Hebrews is one of those books that people don't tend to engage with. I'll just tell you this story: when I when I went to the record company and said, "Hey, I've got ten songs on the Book of Hebrews. I want to do this album." One of the executives said, "Eh, that's not a good idea because nobody likes Hebrews."
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh,
1: but I think sometimes uh, when you have the kind of image that the NIV application, you know, uh, commentary will give you, that opens the Book of Hebrews up to you. I think. I mean, do you agree, George?
2: I mean, oh, absolutely. That's the point. You kind of got to start with figuring out what's going on and yes. how to navigate. But when you when you do, then you go. Oh my goodness, this is yes, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yes. Well, George, as we say goodbye, I want to remind you and our listeners that uh, we recently did a program with Michael where we had the studio performances of Soul Anchor uh, oh, in one broadcast. So I I urge our listeners to go to the archive and check that out for even more on the Book of Hebrews here as we prepare for the Easter season to come. So. Well, George, we're going to ask Michael to sing this old hymn. We're across the crowded ways here in just a moment. Do you see any connection between this hymn and what we've been talking about today?
2: You know, we, we've talked about endurance. So we're on our way to resurrected life, right? We're following God in the, in the path of faith. And we, in a sense, take a double look at Jesus. We, we see him in his exaltation and his glory, but we also see him in his suffering. It's kind of a double look, right? So our path, On our way to resurrection life is a path going to Jesus outside the gate, Mm. you know, going to Him outside of our cultural comfort zones, if you will, out to the place of suffering. And that's part of what we're called to uh, in this life is to to follow Jesus faithfully uh, out to that place uh, where He sacrificed for us.
0: Glad to make this connection today with Dr. George Guthrie. And here's Michael, then with the song, Where Cross the Crowded Ways.
3: Where cross the crowded ways of life, where sound the cries of race and clan. Above the noise of selfish strife We hear your voice, O Son of Man In haunts of wretchedness and need On shadowed thresholds dark with fear From paths where hides the lures of greed we catch the vision of your tears from tender childhood's helplessness from woman's grief man's burden toil from famished souls from sorrow stress your heart has never known recoil The cup of water given for you still holds the freshness of your grace Yet long these multitudes to view The sweet compassion of your from the mountain side make haste to heal these hearts of pain among these restless throngs abide o oh, tread the city streets again till sons of men shall learn your love And follow where your feet have trod Till glorious from your heaven above shall come the city of our God.
0: wonderful song from Michael that wraps up this segment, and there is more coming up after our midpoint break. We hope you'll share what you've found in this podcast with your friends on social media. We feature programs every week and offer an extensive podcast archive of classic and current editions for you to explore. And there's much more teaching and insights like what you've heard when you check out Michael's books and music. His latest is titled The Nazarene, 40 Devotions on the Lyrical Life of Jesus. Explore all that's waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation as we get ready to talk with Terry Glaspie here in the studio with Michael Card.
1: The CSB Experiencing God Bible is this month's featured resource designed to help you take intentional steps to know God personally. This edition is based on the beloved book Experiencing God by Dr. Henry Blackaby. Find revised and updated insights that will challenge you to respond to God's offer to know Him. Search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at
0: csbible.com. When you visit online, see how the years of ministry, teaching, and spiritual insights of Dr. Henry Blackaby have been carefully presented to be a guide in your walk with the Lord. Be sure to use the special 40% discount on your CSB purchase through LifeWay. Type CARD40 with no caps, no spaces for your 40% discount with LifeWay.
1: I hope you will act on this invitation to discover God in a personal and life-changing way. This study Bible will help you do just that. Search for
0: CSB Experiencing God Bible now at csbible.com. Welcome back to the second half here in the studio with Michael Card. We're going to talk with Terry Glaspie in a moment about Christians and the arts, discovering God through the arts. But Michael has a song that really can set this conversation up, I believe. It was written by another Michael, Michael Kelly Blanchard, It's entitled Broken God. Here's Michael Card.
3: In tribal grace I kept turning to this face Some sad refugee from some sad place And in those eyes the sorrows of our race Now I see it as the face of God The face
0: Michael, I can't let that song go without comment. Um, Do you want to say a word about Michael Kelly Blanchard's song?
1: Well, uh, of of all of his great music, that's my favorite uh, of all of his songs. And uh, and again, it's an example where that could only the truth of that could only be sung. It could only be Mm -hmm. communicated kind of through an artistic means. Mm -hmm. You you don't preach a sermon necessarily. At least it's not the same when you preach a sermon and write an essay on that. Mm But you've got to have some other, you know, art or music or something to communicate that message. So that, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it really is. God bless Michael Kelly Blanchard. Yeah.
0: Speaking of art, we've got a guest joining us now, Terry Glassby, a prolific author who has recently written Discovering God Through the Arts. Terry, welcome. Mm-hmm. It's great to be with you. Now, you and Michael go back a, a long ways, don't you? Way back.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it, it dates both of us, but... <laughs> yeah. We've worked together on a couple projects over the years, and, yeah. uh, and I remain not only a friend, but a big fan of his work.
1: Yeah, I think you were just getting out of junior high school when we first started working together.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, if only, if only. Yeah, yeah,
0: We'll talk about your book in a moment, Terry, but uh, we were discussing before hitting the record button here today about uh, people like Michael stirring creativity uh, in you, and can, can you address that for just a moment?
4: Absolutely. In fact, uh, in a chapter of my book where I talk about how the arts, uh, whether it be visual art or music or literature or whatever, how they can help bring the Bible to life for us, this is I, I actually talk about uh, Michael's music in that uh, in that chapter because, for, for me personally it's had just a profound effect i i i particularly i mean i love a, a number of the albums so much but the album on the biblical prophets uh just just so helped me to get an understanding of what they were about, what their passion and their heart was about. And, mm. um, you know, I, 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 other than, uh, than Abraham Heschel, the, the great uh, Jewish scholar, M- Michael's probably done more to help me to fully understand the richness of their message and its relevance for today than anything, uh, than anything I've read. So
1: okay, okay,
4: Joe, I'm going to need a copy
1: of the a recording of what he just said. <laughs> That's pretty. good I'm going to have that on my phone and play that back. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Terry. I mean, uh, on those wow. days, I mean, I mean it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. On those days, you need a little encouragement. Just hit the play button oh, on that, huh? Gosh, Michael and yeah, Abraham I, that, Heschel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think it. I don't, any. No one's ever said anything more encouraging than that. So thanks, <laughs> Terry. <laughs> All right, Terry, let's talk
0: about discovering God through the arts. This is this is a very unusual book and that I don't know if anybody else has written much about this theme, but really is true that I mean we have the cre- we talk about creativity in this program. I mean, we are reflections of the creator,
4: right? Absolutely. I mean, that is when when it says we're created in the image of God and you begin to think about what is unique about human beings. It's our creativity. Um I the I don't know of any cat who's written a symphony or <laughs> any or any dog who's written a novel <laughs> um and uh, maybe there are uh, some elephants who've m- who thought they should try uh, sculpture, <laughs> but they, you know, they haven't had any success. Yeah, you know, <laughs> get back to me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creativity is part of what makes us human, and um, and it's very important. And because of that, it's a it's a connection point with God. And you know, I I do think what you said is true that there's really nobody else who's taken quite the angle into art that I have. Um, a lot of people have you know, written books about why it's okay as a Christian to be interested in the arts and kind Mm. of defending the arts. And I thought other people have done that well. I don't need to spend all the time with that. What I wanted to do in the book is talk about how the arts can actually work as a spiritual discipline in our lives, as a tool Mm. that God can use to draw us closer to Him, to better understand the scriptures, and, and to live a better human life. And I think we can do all that. Are you talking about creating art or experiencing art or both, or absolutely both? You uh-huh. know, um, but I think it starts with the place where everybody can access, which is just enjoying how the arts can speak into our lives and how particularly can speak into our spiritual lives. Um, but I, I think that. Uh, it, it, somewhere in the creative process, too, I think we we have these wonderful uh, wrestlings with God, just like Jacob in mm-hmm. the wilderness. I mean, it's like um, oftentimes in the in in the act of creativity, w- we have to wrestle down the realities of what God is trying to say to us, and then share those with other people. Mm-hmm. That makes That's
1: sense. That's one of the best parables of creativity to me in the Hebrew Bible, is Jacob wrestling with the angel because he's you know he's going to lose. You know that's the interesting thing, and the angel sort of cheats, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I love that image because you it is some it's a struggle, and you don't ever know if you win or not. I'm suspicious of people who think they win. It's always a struggle, hmm. uh, and you know that. I mean, how many books have you written? Um,
4: I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's over a dozen.
1: Wow. And when you're done, is it, when you write, you know, when you put the, the dot on the final sentence, I mean, what is that experience usually like for you? Is it like, what did I just do? How did this happen?
4: It's, it's miraculous. It does. Yeah. It feels like a miracle. It feels, uh, it's the joy of being done uh-huh. and the immediate sense of inadequacy that yes. I probably could have done it better. Mm-hmm. Yes, do you, do you feel any of that in when, when yeah. your music? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, again, going back to Jacob wrestling with the angel, it's as you've had a wrestling match. And, um, and I, I guess, I don't know if you feel like you win. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to say I feel like I won. But yeah.
4: I survived. We, that's it. You survived. You survived. Yeah. yeah. And by surviving in a certain sense... You win, and ultimately yes. the victory is, I, I mean, I, I think ultimately the victory is, does it reach and impact other people's lives? Does yeah. does the vision of reality that you're sharing in your art actually mm-hmm. reach out and help other people to see in a larger and new and more powerful way, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Terry, here we are on the verge of Holy Week, and I know in your book you write about an experience at a museum in Venice that you had Uh, looking at a great piece of art there that portrayed Christ. Uh, You want to talk about that?
4: Yeah, uh, I was uh, on the uh, kind of tail end of a little uh, trip, and uh, the other people had gone on to another city, but I wanted a little more time in Venice. So I was there in Venice all by myself, and uh, and I thought, okay, how am I going to spend this day and, you know, the guidebooks give you a lot of interesting things to look at, and I definitely wanted to hit some of those, but one of the things that wasn't listed in, the, um, in many of the guidebooks was the Scola San Roca, which is uh, a building that uh, was once the, the offices of this uh, Christian confraternity. And uh, they had hired an artist named Tintoretto and asked him if he would paint pictures of Christ and the story of Christ, that they could hang in the in the museum. And so, uh, I showed up, and it's like I had virtually the place to myself, wow. and I wow. just spent a couple hours just wandering from one painting to the other, and seeing the, the birth, and the baptism, and the temptation of Christ, all these things illustrated in such powerful and inventive ways. And then I went to the second floor, and there tucked in the back was a room that has, uh, and it's where they used to hold their board meetings, and it's this room that has this huge painting that covers the entire back wall, and it is a painting of the crucifixion by Mm Tintoretto. And Mm -hmm. it looks like both, it, it looks like total reality, and yet at the same time it looks like Christ is about ready to just, Rise off the cross and change everything, right? Mm,
3: mm. And
4: I stood there and I literally, you know, you always got to be careful when someone says literally because usually they don't mean literally. (laughs) I mean literally. (laughs) I literally felt speechless
3: Mm.
4: Mm, in front of this painting. mm. And uh, unexpectedly, I just began to find myself praying, just mm, thanking, mm. thanking Christ for what he had done for me wow. on the cross. And throughout the rest of that day, visiting all the other things in Venice, I just kept seeing that painting in my head. I carried so, it with me all day. So all that is
1: to say, that painting took you to a place that you'd never been to before
4: and you couldn't have gotten to otherwise? Well, I think what it did is it took a lot of the other content and the books and the preaching and everything, and it made it real to mm-hmm. me wow. in a way that the abstract words never can. Oh. Um, I think that's part of the power, particularly of a visual art. Mm-hmm. And it it gave me an emotional response, with, which is what something both uh, music and uh, and visual art can do. I mean, I personally responded to the crucifixion in that moment. It was like I was standing there in the crowd. Wow! How did that
0: change the way that you approach other works of art? Did it change it anyway?
4: It just confirmed uh, what I had been learning, which was that the arts can be, among other things, a very, very powerful way to make both the scripture and theology come to life, to move them out of the realm of abstract ideas or words on a page and injected into them a a, a new and living sort of reality. Um, and, And the beautiful thing is that You know, if you see something like the crucifixion through a lot of different perspectives, Mm -hmm. through all these different artists and musicians and writers, suddenly you you begin to see the largeness Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. was done there on the cross in a way that at least personally I never fully had before. And I'm somebody who loves to read theology yeah. and mm-hmm. loves to read the scriptures. But and, this ad, it's an add-on.
0: And by the way, this is not the way that we normally engage with art as believers as Christians as, you know, people in the pew. We we really don't take full advantage of art, do we?
4: No, we kind of use art mostly for decoration or we use it for distraction, something to kill some time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we use it for propaganda purposes. Mm-hmm. We, we use it as a way to push the message. And even if the message is good, um, we often make it heavy-handed. Uh, and we don't trust that the art itself can, can help bring that message to life.
1: I'm, I'm thinking of the, the crucifixion image where Jesus is
4: green. Is it Gruenwald that painted that? You know, the green Christ? Yeah, yeah, Matthias Grünewald, uh, the uh Eisenheim altarpiece, powerful. I
1: and I can remember seeing that for the first time and first of all thinking, well, it wasn't great. I was looking at all the inaccuracies from a scientific point of view. And then all of a sudden I guess somewhat what your experience was like in Venice, all of a sudden the the agony and the and it all came through that sick green color that Jesus has painted. And I never, I never experienced crucifixion in such a profound way as the first time I really allowed that painting to speak to me. And uh, I think it's still my favorite, if you want to call it a favorite. Mm-hmm. I, still, I, th- I think it's one of the most important images of crucifixion.
4: And what's so interesting is that that was originally painted to be hung in a hospital, and ah. the hospital was for people who were suffering from a disease somewhat akin to leprosy. Ah, I didn't know that. All of the like all of like the spots and the sores all over Jesus yeah. in that painting were like the same kind that the people in that hospital had. Wow, mm-hmm. I never heard that. Okay, yeah, Michael so they're, try they're, try to stump
0: Terry again. Go ahead. No, I'm no, no. just try to stump him. I'm not him.
4: trying to stump him. <laughs> keep talking Terry, keep talking. No, I just I just think it's so powerful that that, you know, these people who were suffering from this this horrible disease which they were they were locked away in a hospital and separated by the rest of humanity yeah stand in the chap or kneel in the chapel Uh of the of the uh hospital where they were and they could look up and they could see this image of the jesus who bore all their pain and all this. i mean wow it's like bam you know yeah you know
0: that's a technical term bam
4: yeah yeah it's oh. <laughs> an art history term
1: yeah I, I i never heard the background of that but uh, again it make it makes the painting even more significant so thank you for that yeah
0: terry this has been a rich conversation and i really mm-hmm. really want our listeners to get a hold of a couple of books you've written actually on this topic discovering god through the arts the newest book but you've also written 75 masterpieces every christian should know uh, both excellent books to help us get a handle on this. So, Terry Glaspie, thank you for your time, Terry. God bless you. Yeah. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Michael, we're going to ask you to sing now a studio recording we made of you singing All That Was Lost. Uh, any comments before we hear it? Mm, I
1: think the song is hopefully pretty self explanatory. All right. All That Was Lost. Here's Michael Card.
3: Why are you crying? Who are you looking for? This is a graveyard Were you expecting more? You feel abandoned Like every hope has died The death of all your dreams this is the price of life he will claim his lost possession repossess you pay the cost he will purchase you for freedom he will find all that was lost There stands the stranger. There on the flowering slope, the servant waits for you. In a garden of hope, do you perceive now? And have your eyes been clear have they been opened have they been washed by tears he will claim his lost possession repossess you pay the cost he will purchase you for freedom as you, pay the cost. He will purchase you for freedom. He will find all that was lost. So run and tell all those who have long. To hear the wait is over, the risen Savior's here,
1: and that's a moment that, uh, again, could I think can only be adequately expressed through music or art. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that speaks to the heart as well as the mind and uh, uh, that that moment when you realize this is all true, it's all real and and there stands Jesus risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. you know the, everything that we've lost, all that was lost, everything that seemed to have been for nothing, you stand for the cross and you say this was all for nothing. nothing good can, can come from this. And then all of a sudden, there he's standing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know it's it's just a nice. moment there aren't words for. So you have to paint a picture, you yeah. have to draw out a song about it, or you have to paint a picture of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, those of us who can't paint or sing appreciate what you've done, Michael. Thank you very much. <laughs> Two very yeah. engaging conversations today, so thank you for oh. bringing those to us. This
1: has been the one of the most dense programs I think we've ever had. I mean, it's going to take me a while to recover. I mean, Terry Glasby and George Guthrie—they uh, are—they are—they uh, don't do small talk
0: very well. Thanks, Michael, for helping us wrap up this hour together in the studio. If this time together has been used by the Lord to bring up some new ideas to consider as we prepare for Holy Week, please take a moment and pass along your comments to us. There's several ways to do it. Post a review of this podcast, pass along the link to a friend, or email your reactions when you write in the studio at michaelcard.com. Look for the information about our guests on our podcast page at michaelcard.com. And stay current with Michael's ministry and interact with other listeners when you check out the Michael Card Music Facebook page. We're glad to point you to the wonderful resources from our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month we're featuring the CSB Experiencing God Bible Based on the insights of Dr. Henry Blackaby's teaching This unique study Bible is designed to help you develop a personal connection with God When you visit csbible.com, search for the CSB Experiencing God Bible When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with caps and no spaces To receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay Look for the CSB Experiencing God Bible at csbible.com. Join us next week for another session designed to help you prepare for the commemoration of our Lord's death and celebration of His resurrection. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for joining us for this session in the studio with Michael Card.